steps over Teron Lowe. Seven straight points by Iverson. Looked like he was dead in the water. Ball slips her by Phoenix. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. If that's the last image of Michael Jordan, how magnificent the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, we'll take a look at the NBA Draft Combine that began today, preview tomorrow's NBA Draft Lottery, review the Kemba Walker trade that happened last week, and we will preview the Western and Eastern Conference Finals with Tom Scavetta joining the show later on to talk about the East and his Milwaukee Bucks. So I hope everybody's doing well. Jam-packed basketball going on. Uh, this weekend was pretty wild. Bunch of Game 7s. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed them. You know, we got NBA draft stuff going on, too. This is it's, – it's starting to come down to the wire, and I'm really excited about it. It's going to be – Honestly, fantastic. But first things first, we'll go over a few headlines that have taken over the news this week, um, basketball-wise, both in college, both Team USA news and coaching search news. So Indiana Pacers are, are will begin their head coaching search. Nate Bjorken obviously got fired a couple of weeks ago, and after one year with the Pacers, they're going to begin their interview process uh, this week, and Three league's names have come out. Brian Shaw, who former NBA point guard, who was the head coach of the NBA G League Ignite team this year. He's going to interview Terry Stotts, obviously just recently fired from the Blazers. He's going to interview and Steve Clifford, just recently fired from the Magic. Um, he's going to interview. The Pacers are definitely looking for a somewhat experienced head coach. That's what it seems like. Um, their team... Definitely should have been much better than they were this year. So it seems like they're trying to go in that route. And then the then the Portland Trailblazers um, are starting to wind down their head coaching search a little bit. Becky Hammond, uh, San Antonio Spurs assistant and WNBA star, former WNBA star, and Chauncey Bills, former NBA star, uh, are two finalists who are going to get second rounds of interviews for the Trailblazers job. Uh, really interesting. I like both of those candidates. Um very interested to see who Portland pulls the trigger on and uh, and hires as their full-time head coach. That's going to be really interesting. Uh, I think that both of them could do a good job. I know Chauncey Billups has been a name. I really think Chauncey Billups is going to end up getting one of these head coaching jobs. I saw that Boston's really interested in him. Um, I think he, he's one of the guys that's like next in line. You know, Sam Cassell's up there too, but I think Chauncey Billups, a lot of teams are extremely interested in him. Very um, 
they think that he could become a great head coach. A lot of teams were interested in him to join their front office too recently, as we as we had been hearing. But Chauncey Billups is definitely um, making his way around and is on his way to being a head coach. And then some Team USA news. First for the men's side, James Hart, both James Harden and Bam Adebayo announced that they're going to be playing for the Team USA for the Tokyo Olympics this year, uh, bringing the current 12-man roster to eight commitments. So there's only four spots left right now for Team USA. Uh, Harden and Adebayo are joining Damian Lillard, Draymond Green, Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Kevin Dur- and Kevin Durant as um, commitments for the Team USA. And it'll be interesting to see if Harden, you know, with his hamstring injury is actually going to be going to be able to play. Um, he committed today. So I guess he's feeling healthy enough. And Adebayo is going to be a big addition as a big man for them. I like that a lot. You know, they got a lot of star power and this USA team is going to be cool. I, I really want to see who, what four players round out their 12 man roster. You know, they got eight out of 12 right now. They're heading in the right direction. And we've got a couple of comments. We've got Tom Scavetta joining the show in a little bit. Fear the deer. Um, the Bucks, I'm telling you, the Bucks, they picked them, they picked off the Nets. That was wild. That was a wild game. If anyone watched it, Suns versus Bucks, that's the dream matchup right there. That's why I hope that's Henry and Dictor of Review and Preview. That's why I hope is going to be the NBA Finals. I think that that would be a fantastic matchup. Uh, I really, I'm torn because I really want to see Chris Paul win a ring but I also really want to see Giannis win a ring. So those are the final te- two teams I'm rooting for. Uh, whoever was going to win that Sixers-Hawks series, I, I couldn't root for them. Um, I'm glad the Hawks won, though, because I don't like the Sixers, but that's just my Knicks bias. But the Sixers, you know, they have a lot of lot of interesting um, a lot of interesting questions that they have to answer this offseason. We'll put it at that. So – Jumping back into Team USA, but but before we do that, if anyone wants to leave a comment, please do. Um, show is for you guys. We want to, um, we you know we want to get as many comments as possible. Draw the I'll bring up as many as possible. Answer any questions you guys have. Uh, be feel more than free to drop a comment and let us know what's on your mind, especially with these these past couple of weeks uh, with this past week with uh, game sevens and, you know, all the chaos that's been going on across basketball too. So jumping back into it, we got a little um, review and preview. Stop, stop it, James. Here comes the peanut gallery. Yeah, we got James from the review and preview chat. Fun fact, none of the remaining teams who have a championship have won it post merger as facts. Um, the Hawks haven't won, have never won in Atlanta. They won in St. Louis. Um, the, uh, the Bucks won in the seventies when they had Kareem and Oscar Robertson, uh, just off the top of my mind, the Suns have never won and the Clippers have never even made it to the Western conference finals. So this is the furthest that they've ever gone. And we got Andy Hopper two bulls in seven. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Maybe next year, but you know. Maybe if we're talking about the 90s, Bulls and Seven, but Andy, big fan of the show, uh, big friend of the show too. So jumping back into Team USA, the women's national team um, was announced today, and it's absolutely loaded. 
I just to say the least, Sue Burr, Diana Taurasi, and Aja Wilson are all headlining and joining Skylar Diggins-Smith, who's perennial all-star in the WNBA, Ariel Atkins, Tina Charles, Nafisa Collier, uh, Sylvia Fowles, Chelsea Gray, Brittany Griner, Jewel Lloyd, and Brianna Stewart. Uh, it's absolutely loaded. The, all the best in the all the best in the country uh, are joining the Team USA. I'm hyped to watch the women's team. I think it's they're they're going to dominate. They're looking for a seventh straight gold medal, and you know they're they're absolutely loaded. You know, Skylar Diggins can ball. Uh, you got you got Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi who are absolute legends. Aja Wilson too. You know, it's I, I really like the team. Brittany Griner, Brianna Stewart as the big, as the uh, centers, as the bigs. I really like that team. I like that the women's national team announced their roster. They're all set to go, um, even though through the WNBA season. And then the uh, men's team is four commitments away. So we're starting to get down to it, people. Team USA is starting to come along for each side, which is good. So. From this week's headlines, the NBA Draft Combine began today. Uh, it kind of began today. Today was the first day of it, but nothing really happened. Tomorrow is really the first uh, the first day of anything. They do some measurements and stuff, and I think a few drills and stuff. And then the five-on-fives and the three-on-threes are going to start later in the week. But this is all a huge step in the, huge step in the process of the NBA Draft. You know, we're going to see some names skyrocket up draft boards this upcoming week as we always do after combine uh some of the notable names that aren't playing in the combine though Cade Cunningham who's projected to be the number one pick uh he's pretty much a lock to be the number one pick Jalen Suggs who is pretty much a lock to be a top five pick three or four most likely and Franz Franz Wagner uh decided to skip it too he's uh brother of Mo Wagner from Michigan he's projected um, to be a mid first round pick. So it's kind of interesting that he's skipping and Chris Duarte too. Um, some of the most notable skipping, most notable skipping, you know, Chris Duarte from Oregon point guard. He's supposed to be a late first round pick. Also kind of interesting that he's skipping, but, uh, something going on, I guess they might be doing their own thing to their own showcases. You never know. But those four are the most notable. Those are the four projected first round picks that are not going to be there. Everyone else who's projected to be top picks are going to be in the combine. The top international guys too. Now that since the combine's a little later this year, now that it's in June and rather than May when, because the draft is usually in June, and now the draft is in July. Uh, it's in June. A lot of uh, international leagues are over, so a lot of international players can actually play in the combine. We've almost never seen that before. But Usman Jaruba, Josh Giddy, and Alperin Sengun, who are all supposed to be first-round picks, the three top international prospects in this year's draft, are all going to skip as well. Josh Giddy has kind of elevated himself with his play uh in the Euro League and has become a stud up some of the mock draft boards. They they got him in the lottery now. Uh Jarub is one of the top big men. Sengun supposed to be a late first round, early second round pick. He's another big man. So be interesting. And a few notables of guys who are actually participating in the combine that kind of crossed my mind as guys who I think can skyrocket off up draft boards with a good combine. Uh, put a little list together for people to watch out for. So 
think it, I think everybody should tune into these guys. Max A. Smith from Oral Roberts. We all know his story, you know, story of the tournament, leading score in the nation this past year. Uh, kind of just showed out. Uh, he's, I've seen him projected in some late first rounds, honestly. Um, he, the majority of the, them have him in the second round. He's just testing the waters. You know, he might return to Oral Roberts, but a big combine can get him a lock in the first round. I think Julian Champagny is one I want to really watch out for because I'm a St. John's fan, obviously. Watched him all year long. He's a talented scorer. He's got great size. I think he's got great NBA ability, and I think a good combine could skyrocket him up draft boys. And if not, we would love to have him back back with the Johnnies next year. Kessler Edwards is another one. Great guy with size, played for Pepperdine. He's a junior. He's going all in on the draft. He's not returning to Pepperdine. So that's that's an interesting name that most college basketball fans probably don't even know about, uh, mid-major. But he's got great size, great scoring ability, good defensive potential. And I think you know he can end up flying up. Bones Highland, too, and Noshon Highland from VCU. He is a talented scoring shooting guard slash point guard, good ball handler that can has great NBA size, great speed, and they think that he can be a tremendous uh, two-way guard in the NBA. And if he has a good combine, you might even see him go up to first-round picks. I see him late, late second, mid to late second round at most. Uh, Sandro Mamukilashvili from Seton Hall, uh, any big any Big East fan knows who this is. Other people probably have no idea who this is, but big man for Seton Hall. He averaged 17 and 11, I believe, this year after Miles Powell left and Romero Gill uh, after last season. Mamu kind of stood up as the star of Seton Hall, and he can do basically everything. He's a 6'11 center who can handle the ball, pass, hit the outside shot. He he's a He's a bit of a freak, and I think he's got – very good NBA potential. I really do. And he, he's been high up my boards for a while. So I, and he got invited to the combine. I think a really good combine from him could really put him in the limelight and, you know, potentially sway some people into looking at him as a late first round pick or early second round pick rather than, you know, the late second round, like he's projected in most mock drafts. Josh Primo from Alabama is another guy. Didn't have the nicest stats in college, but they love his potential. Uh, he has a good scoring potential, good defense. JT Thor from Auburn, another guy who was a freshman this year, was a top, was a five-star recruit, but didn't have the greatest stats for Auburn this year. Auburn struggled big time this entire season, but he is going all in on the draft process. They like his size. He's a six ten, lanky scoring guard. He's a lefty. They think that he could possibly have good NBA potential. And last one is Joe Wieskamp. You know, we've been seeing him in. NBA combines for the last couple of years from Iowa. He's a junior. Uh, I think he's got great NBA size. He's got decent athleticism. He's got great outside shooting. I think a good combine, he might stay in this year's draft. He's been declaring for the drafts the last couple of years and then going back to Iowa, you know, with Luca Garza on his way out and CJ Frederick committing to Kentucky. I think that there could be a good chance that if Wieskamp can commit, can commit himself into being a, second round pick even a mid second round pick he might stay in this year's draft so that's the combine is going to be interesting all the drills begin tomorrow and then the three on threes and five on fives are going to begin later in the week and espn is going to cover them so check out uh 
the, the local listings for when that's going to be. It's probably going to be during the day. Usually the combine takes place then. But on other NBA draft news, the NBA draft lottery is going to take place tomorrow night at 8.30. So this is big for anybody who's a diehard fan of one of the teams that were not good this year. You know, this was this has always been a big day for me for the past five, six years as a Knicks fan because we, uh, we've had many high lottery chances. Um, luckily this year I'll be able to sit it out and I'll be able to relax. I won't have to, uh, won't have to stress it out. There was nothing as stressful as the 2019 one when I was dying for that first pick and we ended up with the third love RJ, but obviously everybody wants Zion. So, you know, that was interesting, but the lottery is tomorrow. So here are some of the chances at each pick that, um, are most notable. The Houston Rockets, Detroit Pistons, and the Orlando Magic all have a 14% chance at the number one pick, which is the highest odds. The Oklahoma City Thunder and the Cleveland Cavaliers have the second highest odds at 11.5% chance. The Rockets finished with the worst record in the NBA, so they can't fall past five, even though they have a 14% chance at the first pick, but they can't fall past five. Detroit can't fall past six, and Orlando can't fall past seven. So there's a, on Tankathon, you can actually check out every team's odds. Um, it's it's really it's really interesting since they kind of fixed up the odds. It used to be the worst team had 25% chance. They fixed it up to try to avoid tanking. Teams still tank anyway, but it's, that's neither here nor there. But it's the Thunder have a possibility. The Thunder have, in, including the Kemba Walker trade, which we'll go over up next, Um they have a possibility of having the fourth pick. They have the fourth best odds. So they, they're they sitting right now at the possibility of having the fourth pick. This, they have the 16th pick, which is from the Celtics in the Kemba trade, the 18th pick, the 31st, the 35th, the 36th, and the 55th. So they have three first-rounders and three second-rounders just this year. And we all know that the Oklahoma City Thunder have been uh, stockpiling draft picks. So this is just the beginning of – they are ridiculous amount of draft picks going to have over the years. But the little thing that's interesting that not a lot of people know of, based on the Chris Paul-Russell Westbrook trade that happened um, a couple years ago, if the Rockets pick falls to five, the Thunder get it. So the Rockets have the best chance of the number one pick. They're tied for the best chance, and they can't fall past five. But if they fall to five, then they have to give their pick to the Thunder. So the Thunder have a chance of having two top five picks this year, which not a lot of people know of. Um, they have the fourth, they they have the fourth best odds at the number one pick. So they can end up getting the number one pick and the number five pick, you know, in a best case scenario situation because the Rockets would have to give it to them based on the Westbrook Chris Paul trade. Um, but the Rockets get to hold on to their pick if it's one through four. So um, they, but the Rockets have a 47.9% chance at getting the fifth pick. Uh, it's almost a 50, 50 that they're, whether they get the fifth pick or they get top four. So, um, based on like the, based on the new odds. So that's going to be very interesting. The Thunder have a legitimate shot of possibly having two top five picks this year. We'll, and we'll all find out tomorrow night. It's actually going to be really entertaining. Any NBA draft fan is going to be tuning in. It's going to be really cool. Um, I'm excited to see it. So jumping from the NBA draft over the Kemba Walker trade. Now Kemba reportedly wanted out of Boston and he got his wish. Uh, it was 
a little kind of a little surprising, kind of came out of nowhere. We didn't really know. This is Brad Stevens' first move as executive of the Celtics. Um, and he didn't sign Lamar Odom like you know uh Phil Jackson did. And anyone who knows Stephen A. Smith rant will know that. But Kemba was traded. Um the Thunder got Kemba Walker, the 16th pick, and a 2025 second round pick from the Boston Celtics, basically in a salary dump. Um, well, to bring in salary, basically the key for the Thunder was to get the 16th pick. They wanted the draft pick. Kemba Walker most likely will not play this season uh, with the Oklahoma City Thunder. They'll probably buy him out or uh, you know try to trade him somewhere else if somewhere else is interested. And then the Celtics in return got Al Horford, Moses Brown, who had a great breakout season this year for Oklahoma City, becoming their starting center, and a 2023 second-round pick. So Al Horford's returning to Boston, uh, he where he succeeded for several years, um, and but left to sign with the 76ers in a big contract that nobody really wants, but gives Celtics much-needed big man depth. That's the key. Uh, the Celtics, uh, I love it that Brad Stevens stepped in as president and finally addressed the issue at hand, and that is how badly they need big men. Uh, they've been needing big men for years, and they've been trying to put Band-Aids over it, signing Tristan Thompson, you know, Daniel Theis. Uh, Robert Williams is becoming a little bit of a player, but he's always hurt. I think that that's been their downfall. I thought that they should have gone after Andre Drummond even even harder. I've been talking about that on the show for a long time. Um. I think I think their biggest downfall is not having a big man, not having a talented big man. Now they got two. You know, Al Horford's older. He didn't have the greatest year this year, but he was he was pretty decent in the time that he did play. He stuck with Oklahoma City for the entire season, so it's kind of a lost season. He played about half the year before he sat out for the rest of the year um, by choice, basically, with him and the organization trying to work out a trade, but. He, you know, he wasn't terrible. He averaged like 12 and 6, I believe. Moses Brown played great too, and he's young. Uh, Moses Brown was a former top uh, recruit from UCLA. He spent time as a two-way for the Portland Trailblazers the last couple of years. Then he signed a two-way with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Then they promoted him to a full-time, and he became the starting center by the end of the season. So that, that gives the Celtics some young big man depth and some older big man depth and a 2023 second round pick to, uh, to uh, make them happy, you know, a little incentive right there, but a little bit of a look inside the contract differences. Kemba has one year, 36 million left plus a one year, 37.6 million player option left at age 31. Now, depending on where he goes, I'm sure Kemba would most likely pick up that player option because I don't think he's going to make back $37 million unless he has a breakout year again this year wherever he goes. But he's getting paid a lot for the next two years. So they basically have him under contract for two years. That was a tough contract to trade. But then Al Horford, on the other, on the other hand, is under contract for two years, $53.5 million, which is a lot heading into his age 35 season. So... It's going to be interesting. The Celtics shed some money from that, obviously, because Horford's only getting paid average annual value. Average annual value is uh, twenty-seven compared to Kemba's thirty-six. So they they take about nine million off the books. Moses Brown's really not getting paid anything. So it was a bit of a salary dump for the Celtics as well. Um, Al Horford is still get on that contract that he signed with the Sixers. That isn't the greatest contract ever. 
but it definitely gives the Celtics some flexibility to try to sign some guys this offseason, try to uh, try to upgrade their team, and they got rid of Kemba Walker, which was a big room for the, which was a big situation that they uh, kind of had to get had to get done. You know, both teams wanted out of that contract. Kemba's time with Boston was coming to an end, as we all saw in the playoffs this year. Um, so I think that it was a good trade. It's going to be very interesting to see what the Thunder do with Kemba, though. You know, the Thunder were in it for the 16th pick. They got they wanted to get rid of Al Horford, and they threw Moses Brown in there because they wanted as many draft picks as possible. We all know that Thunder are deep in a rebuild, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with Kemba. Now jumping in to the conference finals. First up, the Western Conference Finals. The Suns lead the Clippers 1-0. Obviously, we saw this this past week. The uh, Clippers eliminated the Jazz, and the Suns swept the Nuggets a while ago. That was before last episode. So they were, they were sitting home relaxing for about a week before they had to start this series. Devin Booker shooting around in his backyard for, for a week and then dropped a 40-piece last night. Uh, he went completely off. But game two is Tuesday night. No CP3 and no Kawhi in game one. Kawhi likely is out for game two as well. The ACL injury, they're not really being too specific on if it's a torn ACL, if it's really what it is. They're still afraid that it's a torn ACL, but there hasn't been anything that's come out that said that he's going to miss anything past game two. They say he's going to be out for game one and game two, so we can assume he's going to be out for game two tomorrow night. But uh, Chris Paul is still in health and safety protocols after testing positive for COVID. Uh, he missed game one. I feel like he'll probably miss game two. Uh, you know, if you might have seen the TikTok of him with his kids, he doesn't seem doesn't seem like he's he's hurting that much, uh, which is great. Hopefully, he he's not having many symptoms or anything, but he could be back soon. Hopefully. And it'll be interesting to see, but without CP3 and without Kawhi, it'll be another interesting game too. Paul George will have to be the man again. And he did a great job at the end of the jazz series. He showed out, you know, he puts the playoff P and the pandemic P nicknames to rest for a little bit. You know, he actually finally had a good playoff performance. uh, And he had another great one yesterday in their loss, 34 points, seven for 15 from three. Uh, he had a great game. Demarcus Cousins showed out too. Everybody's forgetting about him, but he's coming off the bench. He had 11 points, four boards, uh, gave them some good bruiser minutes. They're going to have to utilize Demarcus Cousins a lot in this series to try to be, become physical with DeAndre Aiden and the big men that Phoenix has because Phoenix has some, uh, and even Jay Crowder too. Jay Crowder for his size, if, even though he's you know only six six, he he plays like a big man and. They're going to need some guys who can bruise around a little bit. So DeMarcus Cousins is going to have to be utilized a little bit. And it was interesting to see him uh, play well in off the bench in game one. And then obviously the story of game one. Obviously, since the Suns won, Devin Booker had a 40-point triple-double, his first career triple-double, 40 points, 11 assists, 13 boards, 15 of 29 shooting. All-around unbelievable game. He This is just exactly how he's been playing this entire playoffs. It really is. That's like... This has been the story of the playoffs for Devin Booker. He has been showing out. You know, he was always a stud, and he's becoming even more of a stud. And him and Chris Paul are becoming a dynamic duo in Phoenix. And DeAndre Ayton, too, is no slouch. He's 
fight, he's starting to put the uh, the number one pick snub rest rest snub talks to bed. He had 20 points, nine boards. Obviously, you had Luca and Trey Young in that draft, so he gets a lot of grief for being the number one pick in 2018. But he's been he's been starting to play great in these playoffs. 20 points, nine boards. He played well, and Cameron Payne stepped up big time. 11 points, nine assists in 29 minutes. Uh, stepping in for CP3 as the starting point guard. Cameron Payne, you know, picked him off the scrap heap for uh, the the bubble last year, the Phoenix Suns, and he played great in the bubble, and they signed him to a long-term contract this offseason, and he had a great season again. You know, he's I think he's found a home in Phoenix as, with a good bench role. So very excited about that. Uh, game two will be tomorrow night. Uh, that's going to be really good. So jumping, we'll jump over to the Eastern Conference Finals now and talk Eastern Conference Finals. Got to bring on diehard Milwaukee Bucks fan and review and preview's own Tom Scavetta. Tom, how we doing? How's it going, Paul? Feeling excellent after Saturday night's win. Um, had to hibernate though. It's not easy being a Bucks fan in New York City. So I, I know you could. Uh, probably get a gist of how that went for me. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Second Eastern Conference Finals in the past three years. I'm really excited. I was very happy with the result in overtime. There were doubts at times, but here we are, one of the last four. Exactly. Exactly. That was, And it was a great game, that Game 7, too. It was, it was tooth and nail, just fighting it out. You know, the Bucks deserve a lot more credit than – they get to, you know, a lot of people will look at the Nets, oh, they were hurt, all that kind of stuff. But the Bucks played great. And they came back from a bunch of deficits. And, you know, this is Giannis really showed up and he showed his true worth. Um, and this this could be the year that's, you know, his best chance at winning a ring, you know, trying to it's it's obvious the Hawks have been amazing these playoffs. You never know what you're gonna get with them, but what were your thoughts after game seven? Well, Giannis played 50 minutes in that game, right? Yeah. And had 40 points, which is outstanding. He averaged just under 32 points for the series, which is electric. That's how he should have performed last year against Miami. But my thoughts on game seven was it was just insane. I mean, looking at some of these stats, only 11 players total scored. Clearly exposes Brooklyn's lack of depth. That's the fewest amount exactly. of players in any game since the merger. We shot the three, the Bucks shot the three pointer really well. And I think one of the more underrated stats, Paul, that goes unnoticed is the offensive rebound, right? The Bucks are a lot bigger than the Nets, especially, um, you know, after the trade, trading away Jared Allen. The Bucks had 18 offensive rebounds compared to the Nets, who only had just 11. The Bucks took care of the basketball, only had seven turnovers. And in a game where they were down by six at the half and 20 lead changes, they held their own, Paul. They held their own. Um, they won a road game in Brooklyn. The home team won games one through six. Game seven was not the same story. And wasn't. Maybe I'm a little biased, Paul, but I had a vibe after game six that the Bucs were going to win in seven. In fact, I did think they were going to win game seven. I had a feeling, too. And, you know, I remember we were texting about it, too. I. I thought that um, watching that game, I thought it was extremely impressive how they played in overtime because I did not expect that. I was thinking that the Nets were going to pull it out in overtime. I thought that all the momentum was going towards them, but I agree with you. I th- I thought the Bucks had a very good shot of winning game seven going into it. They played well throughout the entire game. Kevin yeah. Durant 
just showed out. PJ Tucker um, did the best defense he could. PJ Tucker is one of the elite defenders in the in the entire game, and you know it just goes to show how dominant Kevin Durant is that he was able to do that on a defender like PJ Tucker. But you know, I thought that going into overtime, all the momentum was going to Brooklyn after mm-hmm. that fadeaway. That could have been a three that would have ended up winning it for the Nets, but his foot was on the line. Uh, that was an unbelievable shot by Durant. I thought they were going to go in, and it was—I thought it was Nets game. Uh, but the Bucks had a tremendous game plan. Giannis played what, like you said, fifty minutes, and just absolutely showed out. He was fresh, and they obviously overtimes you always look exhausted for both teams, but the Bucks came out and they knew what to do. They mm-hmm. they knew exactly what to do. They were able to neutralize Durant in overtime, and you know eventually take it. Yeah. Another thing too, Middleton played 52 minutes. The guy had an awful first half and so did Drew Holiday, but Middleton's final stat line was pretty good. 23, 10 boards, six assists, five steals. Drew Holiday, a guy that we brought in to play defense, had close to triple-double numbers. Brooke Lopez had four blocks defensively. And actually I have a question for you, Paul. Who had the highest plus minus in the entire game? Who had the highest plus minus in the entire game? PJ Tucker, Pat Connaughton. There you go. Yep. That's why I'm wearing the jersey. Highest what? plus minus in the game. I'll tell you what, Connaughton. Connaughton's no slouch, and he's putting himself in the limelight as a good role player. Mm-hmm. Like he, uh, he knows what he's doing out there. He plays good defense. He's a, a freak athlete. We all know that. Right. Um. He has great basketball IQ too. Like I, I love, I like Connaughton, and I think he's a great fit for the Bucks second unit. Uh, he's good to go along with Tucker, and he played well. And they gave him crunch time minutes too. They, they trust yeah. him in those kind of situations, which I think is key. Well, he's the sixth man. Um, I know Bobby Portis was up there for sixth man of the year, but Connaughton yeah. is the longest tenured bench player on that roster. This is his third. He finishing his third year with the Bucks now. Um. Yeah, he was big. He only came in in overtime because P.J. Tucker fouled out. And then yeah. Blake Griffin fouled out. That was a play where Connaughton played some good defense. And, you know, losing Blake Griffin was key for uh, Milwaukee in overtime because it limited what Brooklyn could do offensively. That's why they only scored two points in OT. In fact, both teams were just so exhausted. There were only eight total points scored in overtime among the two teams. I'm telling you, Paul, I'm sitting there in the fourth quarter couple seconds left. I believe the game – I believe the Bucks are up by two, and then there's the inbound pass to Brooke Lopez off the inbound play. And now yeah. a lot of people are going to come out, and they're going to blame Coach Budenholzer. That wasn't Coach Budenholzer's fault. Brooke Lopez shouldn't have been there at that time. I don't know yeah. why the inbound man – it was probably Middleton that inbounded. The, it was either Middleton or Holiday, but Lopez shouldn't have been there. Durant hits the shot. I'm thinking this is it, right? Yeah. This is over. And then in overtime, Middleton came to play. He had the tie-breaking shot with 40 seconds left, right? Game is tied. Back and forth we go. Neither team could score. Basically, it's a bunch of little kids on a little seesaw, right, Paul? And neither team could score. And then you want to talk about the defense again. Durant, who, by the way, had the record for most points ever, scored in a game seven, shoots up an air ball with .3 seconds left. In the game, the problem was they didn't have that second option. Everybody, Joe Harris couldn't hit a shot, and that's due to the fact that Harden was not 100%. Kyrie Irving wasn't there. But look, you lost. 
there's no excuses. You should have beat no. You should have beat them. You shouldn't have put yourself in this position. You should have went out to trade Harden. You knew that was a risk. You knew that was a risk. Harden's not an injury prone prone player. But what you did was you gave up half your bench for James Harden, and you lost in the playoffs because you didn't have bench depth. It's the exact same reason why Milwaukee lost last year to the Miami Heat because everybody was over 30 years old on the bench. Yeah. It's That's so true. The exact reason. It's but. it's so true. I it's exact it's so spot on. That's exactly what it came down to. And the Nets had a huge big 3 and you know everybody was talking about how unfair they are and all that kind of stuff, but it was a risky big 3. You have Kyrie Irving who plays half a season every single year who's always hurt. James James Harden uh, has never really had many injury problems, but you know so players go down. And he's getting up there in age too. Kevin Durant's coming off a torn Achilles, looks brand new, like better than ever. But you mm-hmm. know, you know, you don't know when he's going to start slowing down and stuff. And Blake Griffin too has been on a decline the last several years. He had a great playoffs. Honestly, the Nets probably lose in six games if they don't have Blake Griffin. I think. I, they- I, sorry, I was going to say I still think there's a chance the Bucks win the series with everybody healthy. That includes Kyrie Irving because in Game Four, Game Three, yeah. and Game Four, Kyrie was missing shots on the road. Uh, I understand he scores a lot of points, but he also is the facilitator. He gets the basketball a lot. Yeah. Now, yes, there's there's a little bias in me saying this, but that's with any sports fan, right? Yeah. This series featured the league's two highest scoring teams, and the real advantage for Milwaukee is going to shock some Bucks fans, and some Bucks fans are not going to like this. But Mike Budenholzer is one of the best coaches in the league. Oh, by far, he's at worst top ten, and the fact that. I'm looking at all these Bucks Facebook groups. Fire Mike Budenholzer. Get him out of here. Who are you going to replace him with? You won this. You saw what Budenholzer did in the late stages. He trusted his star players. Steve Nash didn't know what to do. In game four, he didn't know when to take his starters out. That's exactly. what you get with these rookie head coaches. And Mike Budenholzer, this is not his first rodeo. Having Mike Budenholzer as the head coach was a huge reason why the Bucks won this series. Bobby Portis, one of the most lethal bench players on the Bucks, he didn't even play in the last three games of the series because Mike Budenholzer made adjustments. The coaching staff, the entire coaching staff made adjustments. P.J. Tucker and Drew Holiday were the true difference makers for this team, Paul. By the way, in game six, the real momentum swing, P.J. Tucker, you mentioned his defense on KD. He had a plus-minus of 30. Yeah. Of 30 against Brooklyn. Yep. Against Durant. Yep, that that goes to show it. It literally shows. And I'll tell you what, the jury's still out on Brooklyn. Like I'm not too convinced about them because I, you know, they just like you said, they're running a lot of risks. Mm -hmm. You know, they traded their entire bench for these guys. They brought in a first year head coach. You know, Steve Nash was an amazing NBA player, but, you know, he's still trying to understand head coaching in the NBA. You got Kevin Durant, who's coming off a torn Achilles. Kyrie Irving never plays, and sometimes he just disappears, too. You never know where he is. And James Harden, too, you know, he had that hamstring injury, which was tough. Like, you can't ask him to to do James Harden things when he had the, the hamstring injury that he did, and he forced himself to play. Like, he... He looked like he should not have played, but he's of course going to play because it's, you know, he's a competitor and it's a game six and game seven. So he's going to force himself to play similar to what Anthony Davis tried to do in the Sun series until he had to hobble off the court. He's going to force himself to play, but he wasn't the same. And then, you know, you pay Joe Harris that much money to to be the guy who can hit shots if, if uh, you know, Kyrie's not in the game or if KD's not in the game or if Harden's not in the game. 
um, and he couldn't do it. You know, this was Joe Harris's first deep run in the playoffs too. You know, he's starting to, you, you, he's starting to come along. And besides that, you really don't have anything else. Like, no. what else do you have? That's Bruce Brown. Bruce, Bruce Brown, who's an unrestricted free agent. Jeff Green, exactly. who's an unrestricted free agent. And Jeff Green might go sign with another team like he does every year, another competitive team to aid their bench. You know, Jeff Green's a great veteran, but you don't know if he's going to be back in Brooklyn. Bruce Brown might not be back in Brooklyn because he actually played well. And he's a good 3 and D guy. Scott might give him some decent money. I could see him I could see him getting a decent contract from somebody and leaving Brooklyn too. And then what are you left with? You know, you're paying you're paying colossal contracts with for Harden, Kyrie, and KD. I I don't know. I I really think it's going to be interesting how they uh, how they approach this offseason. And it's not like Harden didn't show up. Harden scored 22 yeah. points in game 7. The, the Bucks absolutely held him behind the th- yeah. he was two for 12 behind the three-point line. Joe Harris couldn't hit a shot. The Bucks have in my opinion top 2 3 perimeter defense in the NBA. The, the, yeah. Theoretically speaking, and that goes but without far, mentioning um, the bench as well. So yeah. I really like where the Buck the Bucks have a big three of their own. That gets no respect. Yeah. With the exception of Giannis and Middleton makes less money. Drew Holiday doesn't make a whole lot of money because we traded to acquire him. And Holiday is more available than Kyrie Irving. He's a better defender than Kyrie Irving. He's also more experienced than Kyrie Irving. He's been yeah. through losing. He's been through winning. He's not a guy who's just going to chat with his mouth the whole time. And that's what I love about Drew Holiday. He is the glue piece to this team. If Drew Holiday goes down, the Bucks are done, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's the way I look at the series. The Bucks were down 2-0 in the series. The Bucks were down 3-2 in the series. We held the Nets to under 100 points in three games. The Nets were held to under 100 points in three games. I mean, I'm sorry, but it really was an incredible, resilient defensive effort. And adding Giannis, what he was able to do in the paint, Bucks and seven. I believe that's what I predicted on. I'm not sure if that's what I predicted on review and preview a couple weeks back, but that might have been my prediction. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see what's next for Milwaukee because uh, we got Atlanta on Wednesday, and I know we got to dive into that too. It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting, and just like you said, you know, um, Kai, another side note too is uh, Kyrie has not made it past the second round when he play, is playing on a team that doesn't have LeBron James on it too. Mm-hmm. So the jury's still out on if he can lead a team. But jumping from that series. Let's talk about the Eastern Conference Finals. Bucks versus Hawks. This is going to be an interesting series. I know you got a bunch of storylines that you want to go over that are that are really interesting too. Like that, some people, a lot of people might not even remember. You know, obviously Budenholzer's revenge tour and stuff. But there's so, a lot more things that go into it. Yeah. So the Atlanta Hawks, the franchise was actually called the Milwaukee Haw- Hawks from 1951 to 1955. Budenholzer obviously being a former head coach for the Hawks. We know he got fired and how that ended up. Then he took the job with Milwaukee in his first year. I believe he won coach of the year, and they were a one seed in the East. And Kawhi Leonard was probably the reason why they didn't make the NBA. Not probably, but the reason why they didn't make the NBA Finals. Uh, Probably a nightmare matchup for the league. I I can see Steve, who's a Sixers fan, is watching right now, probably shaking his head at this. Steve, I'm sorry, but – I would have much rather beaten Philly than Atlanta. But after last night, I may go back on that statement because Atlanta showed a lot of promise. I think it was more about Atlanta coming together and 
the stars shined bright. They stepped up as where the Sixers stars didn't. I feel like it was less about Philly choking. I, I, it was more about Atlanta playing well. And that's what scares me in this series, Paul, because it's the second straight year. The five seed has knocked out the one seed. Yep. Yep. It's amazing. I uh, like the Hawks run right now is scary and you don't know what to expect. I mean, you look at it on paper, they should not have won that Sixers series. So you have no, like you, you look at it on paper and you would think that the Bucks, oh, Bucks and five or something like that. You know, if you just look at it on paper, but the Hawks have all the momentum right now, they're rolling. Trey Young is playing on a different level right now. He's becoming, he's beyond, he was one of the top prospects in the nation, when he was at Oklahoma, you know, everybody was obsessed with him too. You know, he was big talk all across ESPN and stuff, and still no one thought that he was going to be at this good in the NBA. He is he legal good. yet? What you said? Is he legal yet? I don't even I don't even think so. I don't even know. Um he he might not we gotta even find be legal. that out. <laughs> we, we gotta find that out. He he might have just become legal. I mean, he was drafted in 2018, so maybe he's 21 or he's 22, something he's like 22. that. He's 22, yeah. So he so he is legal, but barely legal. Um, but he's incredible, and he's playing out of his mind right now. And yep. that's that Hawks team, you know, they attacked this free agency. They signed Danilo, they signed Bogdanovich, um, they made they made the moves and they they upgraded big time. You know, they signed Chris Dunn, they signed Rajon Rondo, who they ended up trading for Lou Williams, and that's an underrated trade. Because Lou Williams has played great off the bench for them and is just a winner. You know, Lou Williams has been a winner in the NBA for a long time now. He's one of the best bench scorers we've ever seen. Uh, probably the possibly the best sixth man of all time. Uh, well, I mean, Kevin McHale is a Hall of Famer, but like if we're talking about this generation, possibly the best sixth man of this generation, I should say. Um, but Lou Williams is incredible, and that's that was an addition that has paid dividends for the Hawks. And I, Clint Capella has been amazing protect, protecting the paint. You know, I always thought it was like unbelievable how Houston kind of just gave up on him. And, you know, he, he kind of did things that, you know, Harden and all the rest of them didn't. He didn't have to have the ball to score and stuff. And he did all the dirty work. And they kind of wanted to get rid of him for whatever reason. They didn't want to pay him. But he's been playing great for Atlanta. And they re-upped his contract. Danilo is a good veteran, great scorer. You know, good athleticism, can do a lot of things. Kevin Herter's becoming a player. You know, he's stepping in big time for DeAndre Hunter. It's it's interesting. It's very interesting because the Hawks are so locked in right now. And, you know, going into the season, I thought the Hawks were going to be good. You know, I don't think anybody thought they'd be Eastern Conference Finals good, though. Yeah, the, the Hawks had a coaching change in the middle of the season. Yep. And remember, I picked the Hawks to beat the Knicks. I think you had me back on your show about a month or so ago, and I picked yep. the Hawks to beat the Knicks in that series for that reason. Their coaching is just insanely good. They they have a good uh, mix of veterans, and the Hawks have a pure star on their team. They're the fifth team since 1980 to make the conference finals after a midseason coaching change. The other four teams went on to win it all. So if that doesn't tell you something right there, not to mention you brought up Lou Williams before. He used to be the sixth man for the Hawks years ago. Now yep. he's back. Uh, the Bucks had that under-the-table trade with Bogdan Bogdanovich. And Bogdanovich, I know he struggled in the Sixers series, but he was supposed to be ours. And then that fell through, and I believe the yep. Bucks got docked the second rounder in the future. And Bogdanovich shot 44% behind the stripe this year. So that is a little bit scary. 
what's most disappointing for me is that we won't see the battle of the redheads at the two guard in DiVincenzo and Kevin Herter. I know Kevin Herter being a local kid, DiVincenzo yeah. is out. So uh, pretty sure it might be only two redheads in the, in the NBA, something like that. <laughs> yeah, if you can, if you consider Blake Griffin, I mean, Blake Griffin, yeah, yeah, Blake Griffin's got like a hint of red in his hair. Yeah. <laughs> like if you want to, if you want to count that, um, but I think you're right. Herter scares me, man. If there's a oh, second oh, star on the team, yeah. it's him. I know they're yeah. missing DeAndre Hunter, but this kid is starting to come into his own. He, yeah, I mean, look, he he grew up a Siena fan, typical New York kid story. Yeah, Albany. Albany guy, he's gonna come to play, and the yeah. Bucks don't have the Bucks can't just worry about containing Drew Holiday. They have Kevin Herter as well, and not to mention the Hawks have size. You mentioned Capella, you mentioned John Collins, Gallinari is a stretch four who can play defense in the paint. Okongwu, the rookie they got this year, what, what was Playing he well. sixth overall, something like yeah, that? Yeah, he was sixth or seventh pick. Yeah, he was top draft pick. He's really good. He is good. And he's giving them great minutes off the bench, giving Capella some breathers, and he get and he's a physical big man, which similar to that. You know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. The Bucks are going to have to come with some some fierce uh, some fierce play. I think Bobby Porras is going to get some more time in this series. Oh, absolutely, because he's going to have to bruise around a little bit with the with some of these big men because you know Brooke Lopez, you you can't trust him completely being the only guy going up against Capella and John Collins and all that. And all of them, I think that Bobby Porce, even though he didn't play much in the Nets series, it was fine because the Nets have a smaller lineup and, you know, you don't have to have as many bruiser guys. But against the Hawks, you have to get some guys out there that can, you know, throw some bodies around and, you know, and box some guys out, grab some boards. You know, you need to, you need some you need some rim protecting defense against this Hawks yeah. team. You do. And you have that with Bobby Portis. Um, you have that with Giannis. You have that with Brooke Lopez, who, yep. again, was not a fan about how he smacked the Nets logo. I understand yeah. why he did it, but he's going to come into this series with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, do we see Jeff Teague play in this series? I don't think so, but he's a former Hawk, too, just for the yeah. record. So true, he does true. have a little familiarity with guys like Lou Williams. So those little things like that, guys who aren't playing can play factors in this series. That's the whole point. And, out of the four teams remaining, I think the Bucks are the only one since the merger. No, the Bucks. So okay, the Bucks are the only team remaining under their current team name to have won an NBA championship because I believe the Hawks won as the St. Louis Hawks. St. Louis Hawks, yeah, back in the fifties when they had Bob Pettit. Yeah, it's been since nineteen seventy-one. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing. I think the Hawks are going to cause a lot more problems than people expect. People have been saying bucks and four, bucks and five. I'm thinking more bucks and six, maybe even seven. It depends. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we were getting into predictions, Paul. But oh yeah, I mean, give me give me yours. I was just going to ask you. I'm more confident heading into this series than I am into the net series for obvious reasons. But the biggest factor for me is will PJ Tucker? Who is PJ Tucker going to defend? Right. Yeah. That that that's the biggest thing True. for me. That might have been the trade of the season if the bucks go on to make the nba finals hundred um, percent i even even if they don't make the nba finals that was the trade of the of the deadline by far yeah. that was the biggest trade but him being able to he didn't kevin durant still put up ridiculous stats but if pj tucker wasn't guarding him he would have put up even bigger stats he was able to neutralize that defense against durant's head earlier in the games and stuff too pj tucker has been a huge addition 
biggest pickup of the deadline by far over any other team, the most important one. Uh, I I completely agree. Here's the difference, Paul. The Bucks have two true stars on their team and Giannis and Middleton. Holiday's not quite there. He's a well above average player, but he he's their third star, right? Yeah. Who are Atlanta's three stars? Trey yeah. Young is an obvious one. Who's number two? You could John. make the argument for several players, but yeah, probably they, John Collins and Capella or Herder. They don't have that three and D guy, no pun intended, in they DeAndre right Hunter. There. The fact that yeah, they exactly. don't have DeAndre Hunter is going to play huge into the series. So, look, I, th- I think the Bucks are going to win the series, but I think it's going to take at least six games. I'm going to market Bucks in six. That's good. I think I'm going to go Bucks in seven, just mm-hmm. just to be cautious, you know, and to be a little bit different. But I am not taking Bucks in four, or Bucks in five. Um, I've learned that lesson. I ha- I think I had Sixers in five or something going yeah. into that Sixers Hawks series. I learned my lesson from that, and I had Knicks. I I had like Knicks in six going. I I have completely underestimated the Hawks, and that is completely on me. I take all the credit for that. I've completely underestimated the Hawks in those first two series. As a diehard Knicks fan, I kind of you know. I want I wanted to see Nixon six more mm-hmm. than anything, but I'm not underestimating the Hawks again. Even if I, even if you know, they end up it ends up being Bucks and four, Bucks and five. I'm I cannot be comfortable taking that. I got to go Bucks and seven. This this is this series is going to go six or seven games. I think Paul wants that extra game of basketball. He wants that extra game. He wants one more game seven. Imagine imagine two more uh, game sevens. For in the conference finals, that that would be fin. Like imagine, like imagine a Suns Clippers game seven followed by a Bucks Hawks game seven. That I would think be. It, it's more likely to happen in the East than the West. Yeah, by far. Yeah. I think the Suns are pretty dominating too. And it, and if the Clippers don't get Kawhi back, I don't know if the Clippers can keep up with the Suns even without Chris Paul. If Kawhi comes back, it's a different story. But it's, right. it could go to a game seven. But it's without Kawhi, I I I don't really know. And that is the Bucks kryptonite, Kawhi Leonard. If Kawhi yeah, Leonard somehow returns to play in the playoffs, the Bucks are screwed. I mean, you are yeah. rooting hardcore for the Phoenix Suns to win this series. I mean, I don't care how impressive they've been as a basketball team. You are rooting hardcore for that team to win against the Clippers because if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George make the finals together, game over. I, I don't see Milwaukee being able to beat them. Exactly. I don't. I, that's that's exactly it. Like Kawhi Leonard is the kryptonite for um for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's you know he's shown out on several occasions, and that's the last, a Clippers versus Bucks matchup is the last thing you want to see. No, um, I think a, a Suns versus Clippers matchup would be. Uh, I mean, a Suns Sun versus. Suns versus Bucks matchup. I'm sorry, would be a much much more ideal uh, situation to. Uh, what about Suns Hawks? What about Suns Hawks? What if that actually happened? Do you, you think you think people would watch that? Oh, diehard fans would one hundred percent watch that. See, like that's the thing. Like they they were talking about how like the Sixers are such a bigger market than the Hawks, and it's going to hurt NBA ratings and stuff. And I was just thinking about yeah, sure for like the Fairweather fans, yeah. but us diehard NBA fans love this. Like I absolutely love these last four teams left. It's disparity. It's something different. Like we finally get to watch a finals that's not LeBron, Steph, or KD. You know, we get to see a new champion 
too. No matter who wins, there's going to be a star player on the, on the team that's a first-time champion. Even if it's the Clippers and Kawhi wins his third ring, Paul George gets his first, you know, and DeMarcus Cousins gets his first. And yeah, yeah and Rajon Rondo actually technically would win back-to-back and would get his fourth, which would be kind of cool. Um, that, that's that's a little story that's uh, – yeah, that's kind of impressive that no one really thinks about. But mm-hmm. you know, all those kind of guys, and then obviously the Bucks. Everyone on the Bucks gets their first ring. Um, yeah, all the key, you're right. all the key guys. Yeah, I can't even think of PJ Tucker has one. Um, we don't. Just, and uh, yeah, Tucker was in a conference fight. I mean, Tucker spent his whole career guarding LeBron and KD in the playoffs, so that yeah. <laughs> that's nothing new to him. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. I really hope Milwaukee wins this series and advances to the finals. It would be fun to because I don't I know Suns fans. I don't know a Hawks fan and I don't know a Clippers fan. So yeah. it's right now like all the people I talk basketball with, their team's not in the mix. Like everyone's well, coming exactly. to me asking questions like how do you feel that your team is still in it? You yeah. know, like it's shout okay. out to you for sticking with your low market team, you know? It's exactly it's like especially out here on the East Coast. Like there's there's not too many Bucks fans out here. There's not Suns fans. You know, you're oh. you're you're a, a short breed. That's one for sure. Kind. One, of, one of a one of a kind for sure. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the Review and Preview Network to watch another episode of the Three and D, and to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. You can also follow the show on Twitter at the Three and D. Tom, thanks again for coming on the show. Anything else? Subscribe, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Yeah. Anything else you want to add about the Bucks? Anything? Giannis Middleton Holiday. That's the game. Bucks all the way. Let's go. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much for this. Appreciate it. Of course. Hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and stay tuned for more updates and brand new episodes coming every Monday at seven. Have a great night, everyone.